The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. watch this evening we just watched the january 1st 1978 episode of nancy drew and the hardy boys it was a nancy drew episode featuring the last appearance of pamela sue martin in the role of miss drew and the episode was entitled the lady on thursday at 10 the lady on thursday at 10 what a mysterious title what could it possibly mean? I guess we're going to have to torture a boxer to find out. <laughs> oh, God. 
full disclosure, I've watched this episode a lot. I don't, I don't, and I guess my, my answer to the question that I'm sure you'll have at the end of this is I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm trying to find that out. <laughs> what is the appeal of this particular episode for I you? think I was like feeling homesick for New York in college and I'd remember. So you wanted to watch an episode about New York filmed in California? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a strange person, Kevin. Because <laughs> this episode set in New York. It's is, not filmed in New York. It's very obviously not filmed in New York. Yeah. It's in California. But, you know, strange. I just remembered watching it when I was younger or something and then watched it a bunch of times in college for some reason. Then I, uh, and here we are now. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> this is a very, so, um. Yeah, so this is from the Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys um, series that was popular in the 1970s. Unfortunately, uh, the Nancy Drew part of that equation was, uh, I believe, forced out after. Can you two explain seasons. a little bit how how the show worked? Basically, um, on one episode, it would be a story about Nancy Drew, uh, and on the next week, it would be a story about the Hardy Boys. And these are two characters or three characters, I guess, that are part of the uh, Stratmeyer Syndicate. You know, creations. Uh, What's the Stratemeyer Syndicate? Oh, God, we're having to get in all the history. The Stratemeyer Syndicate was like a kind of ghost writing front, basically, where uh, you had uh, editors kind of like writing up scripts for like different series and then ghost writers come, kind of coming in and hammering them out. And it was like basically mass producing children's stories. So uh, the, the biggest ones were the Nancy Drew books, the Hardy Boys books, and then um, I guess the Bobsy Twins are often brought up as well. Never read the Bobsy Twins. I read the other two. They continue to be pretty popular to this day. There's even a Nancy Drew show now on the CW. But um, but this was a big hit in the 70s. Uh, Parker Stevenson and Sean Cassidy were the Hardy Boys, and Pamela Sue Martin was the first Nancy Drew, and, and really, really, let's just say, the only good Nancy Drew, frankly. <sighs> But anyways, and this is her last appearance. Was the Nancy Drew part of the series also a big hit, or was it just the Hardy Boys? I'm pretty sure the whole show was a big hit. I don't know. Maybe the decision, I, I don't know enough about the inner workings of the show. It's possible the decision to cut the Nancy Drew portion was due to the ratings being better for the Hardy Boys, but I'm not sure. All I know is that the show didn't last that much longer after they cut the Nancy Drew part. You know, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. The third season was all about the Hardy Boys becoming like FBI agents, and it was pretty stupid. So, as opposed to this, as a, <laughs> I feel like somebody watched Rocky, which hit, which was seventy six movie, so they it came out a couple of years before this. They watched Rocky and like dropped acid and wrote this. That that's the feel you get from the. <laughs> from so, so you felt this episode was pretty similar to the Sylvester Stallone classic film Rocky. No, I'm saying like they. They watched Rocky and then like fell asleep halfway through after dropping acid. So they remembered that it was about a boxer named Rocky who, and they maybe remembered a few boxing terms and, and nothing else. And now our dog Lanny is boxing. I guess, Kevin, maybe to answer your question about why I watched this so many times, I think like you, I enjoy stuff that's like kind of bad, but weird, <laughs> like bad in a weird way. And this episode strikes me as very strange and it kind of fascinated me because it's like trying to do so many things and doing none of them well. And it, it's just kind of well, let's get striking. To it. Yeah, let's let's dive in. Let's get uh, let's get down to it. Lady on Thursday at 10. So we start off uh, 
classically. Uh, this is a TV show with the, you know, the intro. I always thought the theme song from the Nancy Drew Hardy Boys opening sounded a bit like the iPhone, like find my iPhone chime. <laughs> To the point where, like, when this came on, I was kind of like, oh, shit, did I set something off? But um, you kind of see Nancy running through a maze surrounded by uh, different recreated covers of the series. Um, And I'm just going to say, like, love Pamela Sue Martin as Nancy. She has, I want to say this up front because she has no material in this in this episode to work with. But she was really great. She really brought uh, a kind of a uh, an air of competence, no nonsense uh, attitude. But also was approachable. She wasn't too harsh. She seemed like you'd want her in your corner. Was it her choice to leave the role or was she forced out? I don't know. I, I don't know that much trivia about this this show, to be honest. Um, I think, I don't know. I think she posed for Playboy. I don't know whether that was after all this happened or after she after she left the show or that was, you know, precipitated it. But I just don't know. What did Carson think of that? Kevin, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have the hot Nancy Drew goss. All I have are my opinions of this very bizarre episode. Did Frank and Joe ever weigh in? Are you curious? Is that why you're asking me so many questions? <laughs> I'm a curious fellow. Yeah, I'm very curious. Um, so anyway, we kick it off in groovy 1970s New York stock footage, complete with groovy 1970s stock music. And uh, Nancy is dropping her father off at the airport to get him out of the episode. Yeah. I think he might have sort of gotten an advanced look at the script. And he says, I'm out of here. I'm on the book me on the first flight out of here. I believe in this series that Nancy is supposed to be from Massachusetts. So they've come a long way to take a flight. I may be wrong. It might be like Connecticut or something, but I'm pretty sure they're from New England. So I don't know why they schlepped all the way down to uh to new york city um maybe they wanted to confront the rising wave of a violent crime in the city at the time this particular story works better if it is happening in a city that nancy's not familiar with because nancy being confused uh adds to the story yeah (laughs) to whatever if you could call this a story as opposed to just a series of random things happening. So she drops him off at the airport. And in the 1970s, it was a very different time. Mm. You could go with someone to the airport who was taking a flight. You could walk them right up to the gate. And you could wait with them until it was time for them to board their flight. And if you cared about them, you could even sit there and wait until their plane flew off and you could uh, say goodbye to them. Nancy doesn't do that. She just kind of drops her dad off at the entrance of the airport and then speeds off. <laughs> what do you make of it? I, I don't know. It, it seemed uh, odd. She's got a plot to start. Yeah. She's got an episode to kick off with her shenanigans. She doesn't have time to uh, wait for uh, Carson Drew's bullshit. Honestly, who does? <laughs> and he says, you know, Nancy, I think you're you're not up to driving around after dark. Why don't you just get a hotel and relax? She says, "No. I know what I'm doing, dad. You're a you know, not a non-New York City native and you're learning how to drive in the city, I guess. Does what does what happened next does, does that resonate with you? 
she gets lost, starts looking at her map, uh, gets distracted, and hits a man. <laughs> so yeah, that's happened to me plenty of times. <laughs> the street of uh, Brooklyn is filled with the blood of my victims. <laughs> That big crash the other day was that was that you? <laughs> that was actually you. Yeah. Oh, Kevin. So she literally does. A guy comes running. No, 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 no. Let's let's build up because I feel like there's some some ways to go here. There's a few things I'd like to point out. I don't know. She's. I I, I mentioned the New England thing because the the major airports in New York City are, are in are LaGuardia and JFK, and those are both in Queens. I don't know how she gets to Manhattan, like, in this manner. And then suddenly it says she she's looking at a sign that says 10th Avenue. And then it turns out that 10th Avenue is like an alleyway. <laughs> no, I'm not, okay, there's going to be a lot to nitpick. If that had just been the only, like, errors in this, that would have been fine. Who, who gives a shit? But I just want to, like, really emphasize that this, they didn't, I don't think this was written by someone who'd been to New York City in a long time. <laughs> New Tenth Avenue is a major, you know, it's a it's a big street, lots of cars. It's not like a random little back lot thing with like a fire hydrant in the middle of it. It <sighs> There's a slaughter on Tenth Avenue. Yes. Nancy, we know what you did on Tenth Avenue. And that was commit vehicular homicide. Um a, a guy comes running out of a building. <laughs> mm. Nancy hurdles towards him. He throws up his hands in a ridiculous fashion. And then she hits him. She plows right into him. Yeah, he makes a really goofy face, too. That's, that's uh, we find out later, is emblazoned on her mind forever. <laughs> uh. <laughs> also, I want to make it very clear. He runs into the middle of the road, stops, turns, looks at her, throws his hands up, and then she hits him. You had plenty of time to get out of the way. I've seen, like, dumb deer be more logical in the road while running in front of cars than this. Maybe he was just hoping for a good meet-cute story. There you go. This is a great way to meet chicks if you're desperate. Yeah, if you, if you want to meet, meet a lady to take the roller derby, I think this is a great strategy. That's how you met me. Yeah. Threw I... yourself in front of my car. <laughs> <laughs> Made a really doofy face that I could never forget. And the rest is history. There you go. It's a proven technique. So Nancy bumps her head during this crash. And she, uh, you know, is very woozy as a result. And that maybe explains some of her passivity in in the events that happen next. So what what's the aftermath of this, this uh, deadly crash? Well, the first thing that happens is a couple of guys come out of the building... And approach this gravely injured, presumably gravely injured man. And they turn him over to check if he's alive. And when the man who's checking him takes his hat off and he throws it to the ground in despair. We've all been there. We've all had our hat throwing moments. Yeah, that's the first thing you hear these guys say, I'm pretty sure. Where he's like, what? No! <laughs> And if, you come, if you come to our apartment, you see the floor is littered with ladies' hats because Anya is constantly throwing hats to the floor in fits of unbridled rage. You, you do a lot to provoke me, honestly. 
maybe. <laughs> you're a hat. You're a you're a you're a guy who makes ladies throw their hats in despair <laughs> and anger. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, you know, he's angry. Um, I really feel like we should bring this back as a as a gesture of anger, though, because there is nothing really like seeing a, a grown person uh, take the hat off their head and just slam it on the ground. That's a that's a pretty potent image, I think. So, so that people don't wear hats anymore. So, what would they throw down? Like their well, earbuds? No, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> their ear pods, <laughs> expensive equipment. No, I'm saying we should start wearing hats just so we could throw them down in anger. Who has the time? I do. As you can see from our apartment. It's littered with hats. Littered with hats. Littered oh, with lids. Also, as a former lifeguard, uh, you're not supposed to kick over a person who may have a spinal injury. <laughs> Just pointing that out. So there's maybe something a little bit sketchy about these hat-throwing scoundrels from, from the jump. But we'll get more to that We'll get more into that later. Um, so an older gentleman... Knocks on Nancy's uh, car window, tells her tells her to roll it down. She refuses. This this kind of back and forth goes on for an unusually long amount of time for some reason, and then finally, uh, she does when he holds up a badge and announces that he's Lieutenant Egan, NYPD. The other fellow, presumably his partner, is named Hutch. So they explain what was going on and what exactly led to this unfortunate turn of events kevin what led nancy drew to become uh to, to have blood on her hands or should we say her bumper i don't i don't know you've thrown me for a loop so what what exactly led to this unfortunate alleyway death the hands of nancy drew and her with blood born, on her fender blood on her fender blood on the windshield it's a it's a massacre there's blood everywhere 10th so. avenue massacre Slaughter on 10th Avenue. There you go. I'm going to keep on saying that until you're right. 10th Avenue freeze out. There you go. Uh, it turns out these police officers were chasing a fellow who had recently escaped from the tombs, mm. which is uh, a prison. Mm -hmm. This fellow didn't have a decent bone in his body. Mm. So it wasn't Nancy's fault, obviously. No, if it's a bad person, you're totally legally justified to kill them with your car. That's the law, right? Well, it wasn't her fault because he was running. He wasn't paying attention to where he was going. He was fleeing lawful authority. And as the police officer, uh, Egan, tells her in, in New, York, New York parlance, uh, this wasn't your fault, miss. Now forget about it. <laughs> Just go home, he says. Sleep it off. Leap it off. Get yourself a nice room in a hotel. Have a good time. Basically, what Carson told her to do, except minus the vehicular homicide. Everybody wants to get Nancy into a hotel. Ugh, you make it sound so dirty. Isn't it? <laughs> Not if it's people recommending it for your own safety. Maybe when it's uh, creepy cops in an alleyway, maybe it is a little bit more ominous. So the next. An ambulance comes, mm -hmm. takes away this unconscious man. He's probably dead. Nancy says, I don't know if that man's dead or alive. Surely, if a man has been struck by a car, he must have some serious injuries. Surely, it wouldn't just be something minor that he recovers completely from in a day or two. Because that would be absurd. Also, Kevin, we all know that, you know, conventions and TV around being knocked unconscious are very different from the real, real world. Like, if you are unconscious for a while, that's usually probably a pretty bad sign. And that you, like, really need hospital care. So. Right. He is knocked out for a while in this. 
For all we know, maybe he's in a profession where he's used to getting knocked out a lot. Oh, right. Okay, so he's going <laughs> to... This is going to be on top of the other brain damage he's already sustained. He's used to having a lot of brain damage. What profession could you be talking about? Something to think about as you continue to Well, listen. I mean, if you get knocked in the head a lot of times, maybe your head becomes uh, less like a skull and more like a rock. <sighs> That's my response. A sigh. So the next morning, they, they, they took her car, right? The cops took her car. Her car was damaged. Yeah. So she, I guess, walks to a hotel. Because <laughs> the alley that is 10th Avenue is littered with hotels. Yeah, probably really creepy hotels. Looks like it. Anyway, she goes to the police station. She goes to the uh, the precinct that Egan told her to go to. And they don't know what the fuck she's talking about. There's no... Why should, she, why should they be different from us? Do we know what she's talking about? Do we understand this story so far? <laughs> We don't Our heroine e- has just possibly killed a man. We don't know what to believe, and we've actually witnessed this. <laughs> we feel like we're high, and we're questioning reality. And and so are the police officers. They don't know. This lady seems kind of nutty. She's coming in saying, Lieutenant Egan told me to come here to reclaim my car because I, ha- I hit a guy in an alley last night. And they're like, okay, several several things. A- Nobody by that name works here. There's no Lieutenant Egan. Are you sure you have the right precinct? Yes, she is. Well, okay. Um, that's not how accidents usually work, where you're just allowed to, like, fuck off because you seem like, like a nice lady. And then there's one real key fact that kind of really seals seals her fate in terms of this story being believed. What's that, Kevin? Oh, there's no Egan at this, this precinct. No, I told I said that one already. Oh. You're as woozy as Nancy was after the crash. Well, no. I, I think the key fact that really seals the deal was that there was no Egan at this police precinct. Okay, the thing that seals the deal is that nobody, not nobody, not anybody, has escaped the tombs in over a fucking year. What kind of crackpot bullshit do you think we're running here in New York City? Come on, the tombs? No one's getting out of there. That's ridiculous. That, it, in, as of 1978, I guess they were pretty confident. I, I tried to look it up. Apparently a bunch of guys did escape the tombs in the early 70s, but I didn't see anything. I was hoping it would be like 8,000 people escaped the tombs in 1978, and I could be like, ha ha, but alas, I guess it was more secure than that. So sh- this guy at the desk thinks that Nancy's nuts. Meanwhile, there's um, a little little blurb on the TV about how uh, the British ambassador is bringing in a famous quote-unquote DeWitt painting. No no fucking clue who that is. Probably some, like, fucking British high schooler um, of, of Queen Elizabeth into New York City. I'm just mentioning that because, you know, I don't know. I just felt like dropping it in. Just like the TV show kind of drops it in. We'll, we'll see. Hmm. I'm being a little coy. Anyways, Nancy storms outside after they basically tell her she's crazy then we see a dumbass wearing really unattractive glasses. <laughs> and this dumbass, by the way, is portrayed by Nicholas Hammond, who uh, middle-aged men will certainly remember is the star of the short-lived live-action version of the Spider-Man show. He was Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. There you go. This is a bit of a downgrade for Mr. Hammond, I think. I'm not so sure who it is. <laughs> Everyone else will know him as one of the kids in The Sound of Music. Not the real people 
but the not the actual Von Trapp family, but the, the actors. So he's he's there and he starts he approaches Nancy on the street and starts talking to her. Uh, and she's pretty alarmed by this. And I, I don't really blame her because that's you don't want some random guys coming and talking to you. Um but Do you agree with me about the glasses though? I mean, aren't they the same shape as your actual glasses that you're wearing <laughs> right now, Kevin? They're aviators. Well, I think some guys can pull them off. Okay, you're you're one of the chosen few aviators. You're one of the top guns. You you've said that at least in terms of hygiene, I remind you of like a Howard Hughes type. And <laughs> and he's a classic aviator. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, you know, I it didn't bother me frankly. It didn't it didn't bother me. It seems to bother Nancy because mm. she sees him with these glasses. She kind of freaks out, tries to get away from him as women have always done with me when I have these glasses on. <laughs> and then he says, wait a minute, and he takes the glasses off, and then she immediately calms down. I'm going to describe the rest of his outfit, though, because I feel like it's important. Because okay. maybe Please it do. speaks to who he is later on. I don't know. This man is wearing a three-piece suit, mirrored aviator glasses, and a trench coat. So he's dressed He's dressed like that. I I thought it looked fine. You kind of had a douchebag raider go off, you know. But it's it's just interesting. It's kind of very distinctive. Given uh, also, it's possible that in 1978 that looked pretty cool. Now I, yeah. it doesn't. I don't know. I like a 70s style. I'm not gonna lie. Like I thought Nancy looked cool here. I liked her jacket. She's got a scarf. I thought she looked pretty cool. She was wearing like some sort of bizarre sperm whale necklace. Well, I don't. I don't. What was up with that? I don't have good eyesight. I didn't see the necklace. Yeah, you were like, is that a shark necklace? I don't know. I'm not going to comment on that, but I thought everything else looked cool. What, in theory, hypothetically, what's your position on sperm whale necklaces? I think whales are cool. And if you want to celebrate whales with a necklace, go wild. You're just approving everybody's fashion choices. I don't think right. they look that bad. I I like seventies fashions. I do. I think there's a there's a kind of a fun, fun zaniness about them. So I, I thought they both looked cool. I wasn't bothered. I understand not liking some of it. So I'm not saying my opinions like a hard like. I I get I get not liking this stuff. I do. I, I, I think, whatever. I think what it is is like, if someone went through like World War Two and watched a World <laughs> War Two movie. He might be horrified, might have like awful flashbacks that are triggered by the picture. Someone who hasn't been through World War II might watch it and say, well, this is a charming romp. And see, I lived through the 70s. <laughs> are you comparing your experiences as a, as, a, as a person growing up in the 70s to that of a World War II veteran, Kevin? It was pretty rough in Columbus, Indiana. <laughs> I saw some shit. What was your wackiest 70s outfit choice? Well, I always dress quite stylishly. Oh, I'm oh, talking about other people. Bullshit. What was what was one that you look back and you're like, wow, didn't quite pull that one off. Oh, I always was very aware of my Stop limitations. <laughs> what well, like, did you ever have like the big collars? When the decade ended, I was like eight. So, oh, you know, you were a very opinionated child. I feel so like I could see you being like, mom, I want those big collars now. Make it happen, woman. And then regretting it for the rest of your life because everyone made fun of you or something. I know this might shock you looking because you know how I dress, but I never really cared that much about clothes. <laughs> I thought that was one phase where you always wore black. Well, yes. 
<laughs> so that's my response to that. Okay. <laughs> Cackling glee. So emo. You should have been in my era because you would have been you would have you've been one of the scene kids, one of the emo kids. Were you were you an emo kid? No, I wanted to be an emo kid. I did. I really did. I I listened to like one Fall Out Boy song over and over again, and then like I I wanted that. I I wanted to get side bangs, and then I went to my grandmother's hairdresser, and she gave me like tiny, tiny, tiny side bangs that like went right in my eye. It was a disaster. But anyway, I don't even know what side bangs are. It's it's like bangs cut to the side, like angled bangs. Oh, so how's how's that different from regular bangs? Regular bangs go straight down. Side bangs are like parted almost, so they kind of like oh. go diagonal. But anyways, I tried. I failed. I didn't I didn't pull it off. I was not emo. I'm sorry to hear that. I got converse. I thought that was kind of emo. I, I, I was such a poser. Anyway. <laughs> um, going back to these two crazy kids. Um, Hammond comes in, introduces himself as Lieutenant Douglas Burke. That sounds like a real name. That didn't sound like an awkward pseudonym. And uh, he's he's sorry for the uh, the uh, behavior of his cohorts inside the uh, the precinct, but he, they're under a lot of a lot of pressure lately. And so he wants Nancy to take him to where the crash happened. Hmm. So now things are looking up for Miss Drew. Somebody's finally taking her complaints seriously. I think she must find the fact that he's saying honey words of understanding to be like the sound of music. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm stealing your joke from the there notes. There you go. But will she still feel that when she uh, has to bid him adieu? <laughs> it's possible that saying goodbye to him uh, by the end of this might be one of her, a few of her favorite things. Oh, there you go. I like it. <laughs> Nancy and takes Hammond to 10th Avenue, which is very clearly a California uh, movie lot. <laughs> and they um, they look at the uh, the side of the crash, and uh, he uh, looks at the ground. There's no skid marks on the pavement. Uh, no cement damage to the weird cement block thing she allegedly crashed into. And Burke, uh, Burke does not seem to believe her. He's trying to take her seriously. He's trying to ask questions. Okay, what what happened here? I don't see anything. That's kind of weird. But he's not buying. And Nancy is kind of freaking out. Nancy is used to being believed. She has a lot of credibility in River Heights. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> the people in River Heights are a bunch of uh, bumpkins. <laughs> Anyways, unfortunately, uh, yeah. I, I don't, spoilers and stuff, and I, I don't, we don't need to go into too much mm. detail at this point. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's much of a spoiler to reveal at this point that Burke knows what actually occurred the night before. Yes. So I understand that in, in for storytelling purposes, it makes it more interesting for us if we think maybe he doesn't believe it. I, I, but why for Berg himself? What is the purpose of him 
trying to make Nancy think he doesn't believe her. Um, could it be the principle of like you don't want to feed a witness? in terms of giving them information that they can then parrot back to you to make their story sound more credible. And maybe it's a maybe it's maybe it's something like that. Like you don't when you give people a bunch of suspects pictures to look at, you're not supposed to try to do anything to get them to say, "Oh, it's this guy," even if you're pretty sure that that was the guy that attacked them. But couldn't he just make Nancy think he believes her and send her on her way and get her out of the whole affair? What's the purpose? Okay, well, I don't want to go into. I do want to. I do want to surprise people with what exactly his goal is here. Yes. So I don't want to get too much into that. But my my feeling is it doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense. That's what I'm saying. If, yeah. If, if it was me, I'd I'd like pretend to take an accident report from Nancy or whatever and say, "Oh, thank you, ma'am. Thank you for cooperating." That's obviously the right thing. That's obviously the right thing to do. Because she blundered into a plan that was bigger than herself, and she could just complicate it. But so just send her on her way. Get her out of the picture. But you're smarter than whoever wrote this thing. So, yeah. Whoever was writing this thing wrote it in a night. I guarantee it. They wrote it in a night on deadline after getting high and watching Rocky and falling asleep after five minutes into Rocky. Um, unfortunately, Nancy has a bit of a PTSD flashback in this alley. And you hear a you see a black and white flashback of her running uh, a, the fellow over with her car. And there's a wee-woo-wee-woo sound in the background. <laughs> Just to really show that it's a strange flashback. It's great. It's great the way uh, this fellow, I almost keep on saying his name. It's great the way this fellow keeps throws his hands in the air when she's coming. Like he's almost overjoyed to see her. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> um... But anyways, Burke obviously doesn't believe mm. her. He says, you know, obviously, Nancy, you're probably under a lot of pressure. Mm. Uh, and he suggests that she visit a doctor at Bellevue. Oldest public hospital in the United States. Once famous for its psychiatric facility. So he thinks she's nutso. And also they find her car. She said the car was, you know, towed away by the cops. Her car's sitting right there on 10th Avenue. So... It's it's not looking too good for Nancy's story. People, people, the big city is not being kind to Nancy. Let's just say that. So Nancy's fed up. She gets in her car and drives off. And mm. as she drives off, what does she happen to see? Nancy happens to see a poster for a boxing bout in Madison Square Garden. And there, it, it shows a boxer all hunched over, gloves in the air, uh, by the name of Rocky McHugh. And Nancy realizes that that is the very man that she ran over with her car not the, the previous night. Wow. And it says right on the poster that he's managed by someone named Gilmore Lee. Of course. That has a lot of cachet in the boxing world. Of course you'd put that on a poster with limited space. The name of the manager Obviously. Obviously. <sighs> so this gym has parking and she and it looks like the parking places happen to look like, you know, studio parking places, oddly enough. Weird. But she parks there and goes inside this gym looking for Gilmore. But as soon as she walks in the gym, the boxers in the gym starts giving her the wolf whistle. <laughs> Like she's Clara Bow. Who's that? 
She was a big deal back in the 20s. She, ah. was, she was the it girl. Was she a, did she affiliate with boxers? I, I was just trying to think of a, of a sexy reference you wouldn't get because it's so old. She was like a Laura Keene. Oh, God. Anyways, yeah. Uh, Nancy's looking for this boxer manager. She didn't know she was just going to get a lot of sexual harassment instead. But uh, the boxers... Me too. I mean, this is outrageous. Can't a woman walk into a gym without getting harassed by <laughs> random boxers? Yeah, that's... Why are you saying that like it's a joke? Well, no, I'm, I'm thinking later on we, we meet these boxers and they're basically... There's a boxer from each ethnic group, and they're all stereotypes. Yes. Like there's a Spanish boxer named Chico. Yes. It's very unfortunate. <laughs> so all these ethnic stereotypes. You know, in this world of ours, people may come from different countries. They may have different creeds and beliefs. But when you get right down to it, we all want to harass women. Yeah. Men. Throw them all out. <laughs> uh anyways nancy uh finally oh weird weird moment i just this always i've seen this way too many fucking times it's like burned into my memory but there's like she approaches one boxer and she's like are you gilmore lee and he's like do i look like a gilmore lee like fuck you what does that even mean <laughs> jesus christ so no so anyway she tracks down the real gilmore lee a guy who looks like a gilmore lee it, what was was that some weird racist thing to say i don't even know um, Gilmore Lee is there, and uh, when she mentions the name Rocky McHugh, he immediately puts down his punching bag and looks very sad. What happened to his good friend Rocky? Well, he informs her that Rocky is at the bottom of the East River. He drowned, Anya, five days ago. <gasps> he drove off the Triborough Bridge. They didn't find his body, though. No. But they're sure he's gone. R.I.P. the rock. And But can a rock die? Can a rock die? That's the question that this episode seeks to answer. So I guess we'll find out. Better stay tuned. <laughs> that would have been a great title. Can a rock die? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, this... We're going to find out. Um... So, meanwhile, while Nancy is uh, interrogating this grieving boxing manager, a uh, cop finds her car uh, with her YIP license plate, Y-I-P, and then he's, he's you know, taking down the information and basically getting, uh, getting the other cops together to investigate this. Because uh, Burke put out an APB for her because <laughs> she acted weird in the alleyway. Um... So, um, Lee says, Lee goes more into the details of his good friend Rocky's death. Says they went jogging together that morning, as usual. The Rock never made it back home, though. And he was, I mean... Well, Nancy wants to know what kind of a fellow was yeah. The Rock. The, the Rock was all right, says Gilmore. The Rock was all right. He had one uh, physical abnormality, though. What was that? The Rock had the biggest heart of any fighter in the world. Sounds like Gilmore uh, had a bit of a thing for The Rock. I ship it. 
But unfortunately, you know, despite his big heart, you know, he wasn't a great fighter. He wasn't a great fighter. But, you know, he was a great guy. But But can you tell me, Anya, because I'm kind of skeptical about the idea of him having a big heart. Can you tell me something he did that showed how his big heart manifested itself, perhaps involving old people? He volunteered at a lot of old folks homes. No, um, when I guess a few days, or what was it? Was it the day of his death? I don't know. Uh, who cares? <laughs> Rocky and Gilmore were were jogging, and they came. They were jogging by, I guess, a old folks home near the west side of Central Park, which, as far as I'm concerned, does not exist. And they. No, I'm pretty sure Central Park exists. <laughs> the myth. <laughs> Once again, another uh, New York City set crime show that has crime in Central Park. I'll note this is why all the tourists are like, "Ooh, must be pretty scary there." No, they're jogging by Central Park near an old folks' home, and uh, some old guy at the home just croaks right on the sidewalk, right in front of them, and Rocky holds the man as he dies. Maybe some of that death rubbed off on him. Yeah, Gilmore actually says that makes you think. Makes you think. That's why I avoid old folks' homes. You don't want some old geezer just dying on you right there. Because I might catch it. Or maybe you'll catch his last words. Ooh, I've said too much. (laughs) So Nancy, though, is meanwhile having a revelation. What is she realizing? Well, she's not sure the rock is dead. Because she believes you can't kill a rock. She's right. Spoiler alert. That's exactly right, Kevin. But in so reality... She, she cries out, keep the faith, Gilmore. Well, <laughs> why does she cry? What makes her think the rock isn't dead? They never found his body. Oh, my God. The reason she thinks the rock... <laughs> the reason she thinks the rock is alive is because she realizes that the old folks' home has the same name of the ambulance that took away the body of the guy that she hit with her car. She's piecing it all together, folks. She's going to bust the thing wide open. I guess I missed that completely. God, you're like such a casual observer. You're like a fake Nancy Drew fan, Kevin. Only the real ones know about West Park, old folks home, or whatever the fuck it was named. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, she does yell, keep the faith, Gilmore, as she leaves the boxing gym. Are we going to start saying that to each other? Yeah. When we when we bid each other adieu. Yes. Keep the faith, Kevin. Keep the faith, Anya. I like it. Feels pretty good. <laughs> oh, meanwhile, I just want to point out. I think if like somebody came in and and were, was was asking you a shit ton of questions about your like former best friend and like who died tragically just a few days yeah, before, who you were managing, I think you'd have a few questions for them. But Gilmore Lee is just happy to provide expo- exposition to Nancy. I have a few more questions for Gilmore. His his closest friend, this mediocre boxer, Rocky, has just died. Mm-hmm. He's been dead for close to a week at this point. Why has he left up a poster advertising a boxing bout that will never happen? Okay, well, that's probably not Gilmore's fault. Okay, so, like, if you've ever been on the New York City subways, you know that, like, oftentimes there's posters up for, like, months. Like, a, a movie poster. I mean, there was a there was one where I used to work at the Flatiron District that was, there was a poster up for the Snowman movie. 
that was up for what felt like years after the snowman was out of theater. So that's just New York City for you. Wasn't this poster like right outside the gym? Was it? I don't even know. I mean, it was a fight in Madison Square Garden. I don't I don't know enough about the boxing world to Okay, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. He says Rocky's not really that good of a boxer. Yes. So why would he be the starring bout at Madison Square Garden? Well, I, that I'm I'm saying I was going I was thinking that too. It, it isn't that kind of the Carnegie Hall for boxers. But then I was saying maybe maybe the nature of the sport is that they kind of need like shittier people they, or they, they throw in like lesser ranked boxers to fight against the big names either like to get more exposure or to rack up more wins or whatever but but the bulk of the poster is like rocky's aged image holding up his fists with his name and blazon so it's like he's the selling point of this boxing bout well, maybe it's like everybody saw Rocky or whatever, and they're they're just trying to recreate like that kind of like great white hope bullshit, you know, down down to this guy's branding. So maybe maybe it's just that they're just trying to like, hey, he's an underdog, and everyone goes to the fight, and he gets his ass kicked, and they're like, oh, geez. So you're saying that the Gilmore Lee is kind of a savvy marketer? I think he is. I think behind that, uh, behind all those, uh, you know, lovey dovey things about Rocky, he's a he's a he's a a keen businessman. And I guess my other question at this point, as long as we're talking about this poster and Rocky yeah. and stuff, how old would you guess Rocky to be? <laughs> Is that a trick question? <laughs> well, because I, I, I imagine like a boxer in his prime going in Madison Square Garden would be a relatively young man. I'd say, Jesus Christ, so harsh. <laughs> What did he like in his fifties? I think he was like in his. I would say like generous, being really generous, forty-five. <laughs> I, I, that's being very generous. I'm, I'm thinking like fifty-two, like forty-five, 52. and he partied a lot, did a lot of like you know, drank a lot. Well, when we say fifty, okay, and just for for no reason at this particular point, I want to look up how old this actual actor was. Okay. How old is is Nancy Drew supposed to be? Well, in the book, she's 18. Okay. <laughs> I want to look up how old these people were. Okay, let's do it. Also, fun fact, but uh, uh, Rocky is played by the same actor who uh, played Willie Loomis in Dark Shadows. That's a lot of fun. I know everyone's just rolling in the aisles from all the fun. John Carlin was the actor's name. He was born in 1933. So in 1978, he would have been 45. You nailed it. Wow, shit. How old was Pamela Sue Martin then? I'll, I'll look that up as well. They're going to turn out to have a, a less less of an age gap than we do. Pamela Sue Martin was born in 1953, so she would have been 25. So they would have had about 20 years difference. <laughs> roasting them. We, we're really just roasting ourselves. So... Yeah, but I, I I don't know I don't know the shelf life of a boxer. I can imagine it is not that long. If he's if he's in his forties, <laughs> it's been a hard life for Rocky. Maybe that's why he's not good. Maybe he was good when he was young, and now they, he did. They just can't get him to quit because <laughs> rocks don't rocks don't only just they don't die, but they also don't quit because quitting is death of your dreams. And rocks don't give up. Rocks don't. They give just up. keep rolling, baby. They keep rolling down the hill. 
even though they're over the hill. <laughs> it's a disaster. Anyways, meanwhile, cops are swarming all over Nancy's car. Because in case you didn't know, the 1970s was so crime-free in New York City that they actually just had entire squads of police to devote to slightly odd young women who make strange requests in police uh, precincts. Fun fact about New York City history. Now that is a fun fact. <laughs> now it is. So like that Dark Shadows bullshit. Oh, I'm sorry. You big anti-Dark Shadows guy or something? I've never seen it. I haven't seen it either because I'm not 80. Y- you, you, you like you like talk about people from the 1920s like you knew them. Too much clear above. <laughs> like, hey, Adi, did you know about that uh, razzle dazzle amount? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> The fuck are you ever talking about? So don't act like you don't didn't watch Dark Shadows because you're not eighty. You're eighty inside. In my heart, I'm you, always eighty. Yeah, in your heart, you've always been eighty. You were eighty years old when you were born. So uh, then, some nursing home. Oh no, no 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 no! We have to explain what happens. We can't okay. just get into the goon chase. So what happens is Nancy takes a cab. All the way up to, uh, well, we don't even know who the fuck she's supposed to be in the city, but she goes to the west of Central Park, which is, or she actually, actually the cab takes her all the way to California by mistake, because you can see the palm trees in the background, <laughs> but she is walking around the uh, the park gate, which does not exist in real life, um, and she comes across the old folks home, the famous old folks home that was so ballyhooed by everybody, and she goes in. And then there's a really weird scene where a guy in like a security jacket or something is just standing under a tree, pouring chloroform into a handkerchief and staring at her. It's kind of ominous. And then she's running. She's running from the nursing home goons. Apparently this is the kind of nursing home where if you step into the grounds, they just try to make you be a member. But she's not having any of it. She's running. Thank goodness she makes it. To a cab. Oh, thank goodness. Wow. But <gasps> the cab turns out to be driven by the hat-throwing man who was at the scene of the accident the night before. Hutch! She tries to get out, <gasps> but the cab has no door handles on the inside. Hutch thought ahead. He was just roaming the streets, waiting for the off chance that Nancy Drew would show up and just randomly hop in his special cab with no door handles. This Hutch, <laughs> what a schemer. He's always playing this like 3D chess. Get it all worked out. We're all just puppets in Hutch's game. He has an IQ of over 200. We don't know how he got into this place, but he sure is good at selling it. <laughs> These schemes. Oh my God. I would have just loved some aggressive like some aggressive tourist family piled into the cab instead <laughs> how do we get out like they'd have to be like breaking the windows <laughs> but anyways nancy has got got and uh hutch even gloats the park's getting pretty dangerous even during the day ha <laughs> uh, uh, hutch. hutch we'll be seeing more of him later <laughs> we love him <laughs> he's our evil king and when nancy comes to she sees another familiar face. Who is it? It's Rocky, the missing boxer. And her opening line with him is the same as your opening line with me. She said, I hit you with my car last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a great pickup line. 
And um, he, this, this fucking episode, she's trapped in the basement with Rocky the Missing Boxer. He tells her a detailed description of how he was kidnapped. He and his friend were doing road work, which is jo- uh, boxing slang for, you know, going jogging, I guess. And when he got done. He took a long, hot, relaxing shower. <laughs> you know, got got some of that new body wash <laughs> that he was wanting to try out. Really just, you know, relaxed. And then um, somebody knocked him out with chloroform, hopefully after he put on his clothes. Well, I was going to say, was The Rock naked when he was taken? I don't know. This, the, <laughs> I have a lot of questions. I don't know why it was necessary for him to specify that he went to a, did a shower before he got kidnapped. <laughs> oh my god. So, <laughs> Lisa wasn't like, yeah, I did some road work with a friend, went home, took a great dump. <laughs> Drank some milk straight out of the cart, and then the next thing I knew. <laughs> oh man, The Rock! What a this is an icon. <laughs> this is an icon we are meeting finally for the first time in person. We heard about him, we saw his poster, and now we're finally getting to interact with the Rocky McHugh, or or the Rock, as he calls himself, as he calls himself in third person constantly. I always call myself the Kev. The Kev, yeah. That, and I actually put a poster of you out on the street saying that you're going to fight some actual boxer at Madison Square Garden soon. So, Oh, no. <laughs> you're going to go to the Rocky McHugh School for Middle-Aged Boxers. To say managed by Anya Kane. Managed by Anya Kane. People will show up here and I'll be like, Kevin, he had a heart bigger than any other fighter, but he died. He's in the East River now. And you'll be sitting there like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, that would be a great way to drum up publicity for your for your boxing game. Like, oh, sorry, we just wanted to come here to say that the we were, you know, we're gonna have somebody else fight uh Freight Train Matthews because the rock <laughs> is uh the rock is dead. Oh no, there he is! <laughs> Wow! And it's like he rose from the dead to get knocked out immediately in the first round with Freight Train Matthews. Freight Train Matthews will be coming up a little bit later, so just stay tuned. <laughs> so after describing his shower attack, presumably, uh, The Rock is very quick to say that these are not the types of people with whom he chooses to associate. I don't know what that even means. <laughs> Do you think Rocky was telling her about his shower, was like awkwardly flirting with her? The Rock is clearly awkwardly flirting with her throughout this whole thing. Strengthening the parallels to you and me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which of us is Nancy and which of us is The Rock. That's that's the real question. You think it's obvious, but it's not really. <laughs> not really. It's really not at all. <laughs> There's certain things in this that I could. I think I'm more of The Rock. <laughs> and then there's certain things that I think you're more of The Rock. But I think it's, you know, I think in every couple you want to have a rock and a Nancy. A rock and a Nancy. But maybe you both want a little bit of the rock inside. So uh the Nancy she keeps focused like a laser. She says to him, Tell me about that old man. 
he must fit into this somehow. And I thought this was like the one realistic character impulse that actually makes sense in the in the whole TV episode. You know what I mean? He will not tell her what the old man said because he immediately assumes she's a, a narc for the bad guys, that she's a plant. And you know what? Good for him. The Rock's not an idiot. The Rock is no no man's fool. Nobody's fool. He is. He may have gotten clobbered in the head a few times by freight train Matthews, but he's a, uh, you know, he's not KO'd in terms of his brain. He's 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 got his wits about him like any good boxer. So do you think like freight train Matthews is like seventy? <laughs> <laughs> he was actually captured when he was going to visit freight train Matthews in the old person home. Is it like a special geriatric circuit? <laughs> yes, Kevin, I've been trying to tell you. That's what I'm training you for. <laughs> oh, no. Anyways, so he... Um, but what Rocky wants mm, to know mm-hmm. is, what does Gilmore think about all this? If Gilmore thinks I'm dead, mm-hmm. is he sad? Is he? Is he a little bit sad that I'm dead, Nancy? <laughs> is he? <laughs> Please tell me. He's pissing on your grave, Rocky. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry you had to find out this way. Noah, uh, Nancy informs him that uh, he said you were a great dude and that he loved you very much. Oh, and the rock eats that up. Loves you it. know, a rock doesn't crack. No. But wouldn't you? But it, I mean, again, like, again, the rock is maybe the most relatable character in this episode, even though he's a bizarre, bizarre, bizarre addition. Like, that is what you'd want to know about if you weren't really dead and, like, somebody talked to all your friends. Like, oh, do they miss me? Are they saying, like, are they sad? Like, you'd be you'd be eating that up. I would. I mean, it'd be like, it's, like, the closest thing you can get to going to your own funeral. Yeah. So I don't blame The Rock for, uh, for asking about Gilmore or for not telling Nancy, this random woman he doesn't know who just hit him with her car. Also, does he look like a man who's just been violently hit by a car? Yeah, he, that had to be a pretty serious injury. He seems fine. The Rock's used to taking a punch <laughs> from a car. <laughs> so, Rocky... Nancy's uh, complaining about how rough New York City is. Mm-hmm. Go home, tourist. Go home, tourist. Pfft. Toughen up. Toughen up. This is... This, this isn't River Heights, sweetie. Yeah, us, you know, last night, a armed gang member was arrested and tried to flee just down the block from us. And we just barely even noticed. Yeah, we, we don't care about that shit. Yeah. No. Toughen up. Toughen up. Stop whining. New York City doesn't owe you shit. This isn't Welcome to New York by Taylor Swift. This is the real world. This is the 70s in New York City, honey. Just kind of, you know, if you can't take the heat, get out. Go back to Massachusetts. Go back to where the fuck New England bullshit you're from. <sighs> Anyways. So. <laughs> then the what, rock- a, what a bizarre yet very unfunny riff. <laughs> <laughs> deeply unfunny. Um, the Rock makes a startling and deeply personal connection. <laughs> Next, what does he tell Nancy? Say it, Kevin. Go ahead and share with us what he tells Nancy. He says, <laughs> he says the Rock has been beat off by champions. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock never takes a dive. Not ever. 
So they've gotten to the sex talk already, and it's only been it's only been like five minutes. From that awkward flirting. What did he actually say? I don't even know. I think he said beat on by champions, but it sounded like beat off by champions. The Rock isn't really a boxer. He's just a boxing-themed prostitute. He's a gigolo. This is his shtick. And he's been beat off by the best of them. God damn it. So if you have a fetish for a middle-aged, out-of-shape man dressed as a boxer to come and so you can masturbate on him, you're in luck. No, you can masturbate him. Oh. Because he's the one getting beat off. Get with it, Kevin. You gotta know what's on the menu. Are you concerned now about my plans to enroll you in the <laughs> geriatric league of boxers? Maybe it's a front for something else. Oh, no. <laughs> this is such a disaster of an episode, I just want to say. Like, we're kind of making fun of all the weird little moments, but overall, this whole thing makes no sense, and it has the like logical consistency of like a fever dream. It feels like something you dream, and then you write it down. Like, you know, if you watch a lot of Nancy Drew episodes, you write, you know, you dream about it, you write it down, and then in the morning you, like, show it to people and you're like, oh my god, isn't this fucking crazy? <laughs> it almost sounds like an episode, but not really, obviously. Uh, and he reveals that uh, the people who've kidnapped him have been torturing him, trying desperately to get him to reveal the last words of the old man who died in his arms. And I think you had a great point on as to how you would have handled this. If I were the bad guys and I knew that uh, The Rock had, um, if people skip over some stuff, they're going to think we're talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not. No. He's way too classy for this shit. Um, but it, I, if I were trying to get it out of The Rock, I would go to him and be like, oh my God, I, I understand that you held my grandfather before he passed away. I'd really love to know what he said. Would you be able to tell me? And then he'd be like, whatever he said and i'd be like oh thank you so much and that's it that's yeah, all you have work. to do that's that would work immediately because the rock even says if they'd ask him nicely he would have told them a long time ago instead they kidnap him they beat him they put him in a straitjacket, they lock him in a basement and that's all a challenge to the rock he's a man who sees everything every adversity in life as a challenge to be tackled he's not He's not a pushover. He knows how to take a punch. He's not the best fighter in the world, but he will hold on and go the distance when it comes to this uh, this torture from these uh, nefarious actors. <sighs> so anyways, now the goons burst in for the next round of torture. They grab Nancy, and they're acting like they're going to hit Nancy Unless the rock cracks and reveals all. What happens next? Would you crack if people were going to hit me? Yes. Immediately? Uh, no one wants to see you get hurt. No. Not even me. <laughs> You'd want me to crack immediately, wouldn't you? I don't know. I mean, the, the, isn't the whole like thing, if you crack, they're probably just going to immediately kill you? Okay, so just this might come up at some point in our lives. So you tell me right now and I'll do it. I think you should lie. You should act like you're cracking, but lie. Because then you're preventing something bad from happening to whoever you're with. 
but you're also extending your time. And you can even say, don't kill me now. Maybe I was lying. <laughs> when they say you're, you're a smart ass and just give me the old what for. Yeah, but maybe, maybe they won't kill you. They'll have to go check and verify what you said. But then they won't, uh, you know. So if we're in a situation where someone is threatening harm to you, you want me to be a wise ass and kind of piss them off? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what, what could go wrong? What would your instinct be? Immediately cave and get shot in the head? I, I think that's at least a valid of a plan is what you're suggesting. No, I'm right. So if someone is threatening to kill me, you just like banter with them and play word games? <laughs> What's it to you? <laughs> <laughs> you want to knock that geriatric boxer's head off? Go ahead, be my guest. <laughs> I'm so dead. No, I would. I wouldn't. I. I mean, also, like this whole this whole setup is just so stupid. I could have gotten this information out of these people in like two minutes with less. So much less expense involved. Like, the villains are the biggest dipshits in this whole thing. It's, like, astounding. And, like, listen, I'm not necessarily expecting, like, uh, some in-depth villain from a Nancy Drew TV episode, but god damn it are these people just next-level dumb. Don't you feel like this whole thing could have been avoided? Yeah. And, frankly, they gave their plan which I won't reveal at this point, but they gave their plan so much exposure for later that it would, it's crazy. Like let let, I'll say this. You find out that some of them are international villains who are like maybe mercenaries for hire. This would be so bad for business. You would never fucking, you would never, no one would ever hire them again. If this kind of shit happened. Yeah. You'd be like, they did what in Manhattan? (laughs) They did. They did what? A boxer? A boxer <laughs> named Rocky McHugh? He was 45? He'd spoken the third person? They had him in the basement? God fucking damn it. You would... Oh, jeez. If you were the people hiring them, you would give them such bad reviews all over Yelp, and it would be over. I don't want to say what happens next. I'd like to give you that privilege. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you. You need a hanky to wipe away that tear of um, appreciation. <laughs> I'm just going to just kind of play it straight and just explain to you what happened next. So Please do. Nancy is being threatened to get punched in the face. Rocky is appalled that these men would do that to a girl. And then Say the Egan and the goons are, you know, asking him what the old man said before he died. Just, just pull off the just, bandage. Just, just let say me, it. just let me get to it. You said I could do it. Let me okay. do it. Okay, do it. Kind of snippy. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me destroy your boxing career. Um, Nancy, uh, you know, is is freaked out, and 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 Rocky won't say it. Suddenly, Burke is crouching around outside in the weeds with a bottle of what looks like fancy restaurant water. And then, again, it's, it's all building up. Egan yells, I don't like repeating myself. And then Burke bursts in, Burke being the uh, Sound of Music guy, 
and he yells, this is acid, gentlemen. So everyone be cool and stay back. (laughs) Which is like definitely what the writer was hearing in his head after he dropped acid at some party and watched Rocky in the background. (laughs) And that's how we got this episode. And um, so he's threatening to splash this acid in the bottle in the bad guy's faces. He uh, unties Nancy and Rocky. They run out. But, Ro- but Rocky carefully puts his jacket on before they run off. He's nothing if not a sartorial connoisseur. He's a clothes horse. He's a clothes horse. He's got to be stylish. He doesn't want his fans to see him sans jacket. He's got a Madison Square debut coming up. Come on. Be real. So they're running. Uh, the bad guys give chase. Rocky even helpfully throws a garbage can at them, which is kind of a metaphor for how this episode was written. And then uh, everybody piles on the emptiest bus in the city, which happens to be driving by at this point. And Burke admonishes the driver. He says to the driver, don't you stop this bus for God himself. And you hear nothing. And the bus keeps on zipping by I just we am- see jesus <laughs> <laughs> and at a bus stop looking very sad single tear runs down his cheek <laughs> i'm sorry you're gonna say something i was gonna say that oh <laughs> i'm sorry i stepped on your punchline <laughs> he can walk on water but he can't catch public transportation <laughs> poor jesus he's never coming to new york again so that would explain a lot because this is a godforsaken hellhole. Wow. And it's all because of Burke. <laughs> Burke Burke was giving was doing most of the crimes in the city. Um so they're they're on this bus. They're not going to stop for God, you know, the Father, Son or the Holy Spirit. Nobody's getting on this bus. And I meanwhile, like what kind of New York City bus driver would take that shit? I don't hear anything. Why don't you go fuck yourself? And they like throw him off the bus. That's what would actually happen. I don't know. I've never, I don't really ride the bus, but uh, <laughs> that's what I'd like to think would happen. Burke in the most like smarmy and condescending way possible begins to explain who he is. Basically, he's a federal agent. He has relationships with all kinds of municipalities. He's a cop when it helps. I mean, it's just ridiculous. <sighs> And he gives the whole spiel about why everyone's so crazy to know what this old dude said before he croaked. You want to talk about that, Kevin? What the whole what 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 we're facing here? Well, it turns out this fella Egan is really named O'Reilly, and he's a red nail, and they call him that because this is a guy who would nail anybody for anybody. This is political stuff. We're talking about assassinations oh my god it's a Stephen Sondheim thing (laughs) and Rocky is like I don't see where I fit into this at all I'm kind of confused and it's like Rocky's the audience Rocky is the audience I think that's why we like him so much he's us he's thrown into this he doesn't know what's going on Rocky's an everyman he just wants to do his job and go home he doesn't want this (laughs) wants to go home put on his nightcap take a hot shower (laughs) get chloroformed (laughs) What all of us, what what we all do when we go home. He and Gilmore are very happy. Yeah, I like, I ship it. Rilmore, Gawky, whatever their couple name is. They're in love. Is it Gawky? Gilmore, Rocky, like a poor Oh. 
Okay, so what's the what's the sitch with this whole plot? What why is this all happening, Kevin? Why well, this British minister is coming to town to unveil some shitty? Pa- well, we don't know about the painting yet. You just spoiled it. <laughs> Wasn't that on the news broadcast at the beginning? Well, of the yeah, episode? but but they, but but they gotta piece it together, Kevin. Come on. Okay, so it's about a British minister who is coming to town, and they're gonna kill him. And how do they? So basically, the old guy who died was a British agent, a former British agent who was selling information. For some reason, he came to New York. And instead of like staying at a, a hotel, he, he stayed at an old folks home. I don't even <laughs> understand it. Because they say he came over from Liverpool on the SS Phoenix or whatever fucking bullshit. And then did they like, is that what happens? Like if you get off a cruise ship in New York City and you're too old, they just hustle you to the nearest. Well, that's what happened to me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So I guess uh, I guess that's the whole thing. And, and then it just it just a, a line that has haunted me to this day. Nancy helps, you know, kind of talk it through with with Burke and with Rocky. And then Burke tells her, you catch on quick for a kid from River Heights. Does like River Heights have a reputation for producing the biggest dumbasses around? I just remind me, how did Burke know where Nancy was from? I think did he look at her driver's license? Did he? He ran an APB on her, so I'm assuming he got maybe dug up some information then. Okay. I don't. I don't know. It, do- it doesn't matter. It doesn't it matter. It literally doesn't matter. It literally matters very little. So then Nancy and Burke team up to peer pressure the baffled Rocky into revealing what the old man said, and he makes a very bizarre statement. I I couldn't figure it out exactly. I tried to look it up and 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 figure out what. He said, but he said something like, the guy sounded like a fighter from Robel Heights Avenue. Like, what? I, I don't know. Just using these boxing slangs. He's like a punch drunk idiot. You just said he was us. Yeah. <laughs> I know he, what I'm saying. He's everybody who had the who had the misfortune of watching this thing. What does it say about me that I've watched this so many times? So, uh... <laughs> yes, miss, Wow, that's what you should have said. Because <laughs> that's what Burke says when Nancy says, wow, that's crazy. He's like, yes, miss. Wow. <laughs> so then they get off the bus. Rocky leans against the bus. And the bus drives <laughs> off to Rocky's unfeigned shock. He says, hey, hey he's leaving. What if? <laughs> but of course, uh, buses tend to leave when you get off them, Rocky. <laughs> I want to know if the bus driver was in on the gang, the ga- the scheme or not. I feel like no. I just think he just didn't give shit. Just wanted to get out of there. Can you blame him? No. Maybe we're the bus driver instead of Rocky. We're just trying to get out of here. So it turns out that Burke was teamed up with Egan. He was one of the baddies too. He just wanted to get Rocky to crack. And then he casually takes a drink from his acid. Which turns out is not acid at all. Tricks, old tricks, Egan says, chuckling. <laughs> that's another <laughs> one of the lines that's like burned into my memory for some reason. So now they're gonna kidnap Nancy and Rocky again. So again. Once again. And this time they're probably gonna get rid of them because they know too much. Also, let me just be clear. It seemed sort of like, what do you think? Did, did it seem like Rocky was upset when they were going to punch Nancy? Yes. 
And I think he was skeptical about her, but if they'd started beating the shit out of her, he probably would have, that some of that skepticism would have vanished. Right. Did you get the sense that he was going to crack? Yeah. So. (laughs) So this whole. So this whole. Acid affair. This whole acid trip was a complete waste of time. And frankly, if the bus driver wasn't part of the criminals gang, then they've (laughs) they've just caused a new witness to come up. Because what bus driver isn't then going to go home and be like, yeah, there's some some guy in these dumb, you know, mirror aviator glasses ran on the thing and told me not to stop for God himself. Which, like, you can't tell me my bus route, buddy. And some idiot boxer yelled at me for continuing my route instead of just sitting there parked all day. Hey, hey, he's leaving! What if... <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, But fortunately, Rocky and Nancy have a trick up their sleeves. They run away. Pretty clever. Pretty <laughs> slick. There's no flies on the rock. No. <laughs> You can't kidnap a rock for the second time. <laughs> he only can get kidnapped after he's after he's out of a shower. <laughs> That's when he's at his most vulnerable. <laughs> right now he's he's wired. He's ready to fight and run. <laughs> so the rock and Nancy brace up to a roof, and they're they they you know are spying on the bad guys to see their. Meanwhile, out on the stunt on the street. Burke is putting out, or he, Burke rather wants to put out an APB on a psychotic little girl and her pet gorilla. And doesn't that sound like a great premise for a TV show? Yeah. A psychotic girl and her pet gorilla. I'd watch that. I, I don't think I would, but. Why not? For, what do they do? Do they solve crimes or. Do whatever they want. She's psychotic. She's got a gorilla. What are they up to? Why does she have a gorilla? What does she do with the gorilla? How does that work? Don't you want to know? Maybe. (laughs) Probably be better written than this thing. (laughs) How could it not be? Uh, Then back up on the roof, there's a sad moment. Why don't you tell us about that? (laughs) (laughs) So, so this is like one moment when Nancy really loses her, uh, like, she's very unflappable normally, but this just is so awkward. Nancy, because the rock... I guess punched one of the goons on their on their way to escape, and Nancy says, "I thought you were such a terrible fighter, but you were great down there." And the Rock's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> she devastated this man. She just brutalized this man. His heart is broken. I think she also reveals that Gilmore was the one who said that. So now <laughs> he knows that Gilmore, his manager, is his best friend. Maybe something more. You know, doesn't really think much of his boxing abilities. So it's pretty devastating. To make him feel better, she kind of grabs his thighs. Yeah, like, what the fuck? <laughs> it, they don't have chemistry, do they? Like, what's, what's the weird vibe? That's <laughs> oh. <laughs> fucking weird. Why is she grabbing his thighs on the roof, Kevin? I don't know, Anya. Tell me. I wish I knew, Anya. I wish I knew. And I just want to note here, though, on some level, maybe the reason I connect with Rocky so much is that actually one of my uh, ancestors was a was a shitty, mediocre Irish boxer. And, you know, I think maybe something like this happened to him once. 
And didn't did we find out once that uh, this uh, ancestor of yours was once arrested for the crime of being annoying? Yes. <laughs> that sounds like my ancestor. So you're lucky that crime's no longer on the books. I know, right? I'd be getting booked every day. They'd be perp walking me down the street. I'd frog march you out of here. <laughs> you'd be constantly, you'd be the police, the top police informant for the 88th precinct of New York. You'd be constantly calling in. She's doing it again. All right, Kevin, get out of there. We're getting we're, go, we're getting the SWAT team in. So I, I I feel like I relate to this on it. Maybe maybe that's why I'm so obsessed with it. I'm like a cosmic level. You know, this is this is a. Uh, and you insist I call you the odd. Yeah, the jeez, oh, it's all coming together now. Yeah. I also have tremendous brain damage. <laughs> And you're also a shit boxer. I'm now Kevin Greenlee. I took several overpriced classes at shadow boxing and flat iron. I'd say I'm a I'm gonna say I'm a very shitty boxer. <laughs> so Nancy tells The Rock, grabbing his thigh, squeezing <laughs> squeezing tight, that they cannot go to the NYPD because the NYPD will not believe them about what happened. She wants The Rock to help her. They gotta save this guy's life, right? The British ambassador. The Rock is tired. He's so tired. He's just walked up several flights of stairs. And he's not a young man. He's been tortured for days, Kevin. (laughs) He was getting out of a shower, you know, all relaxed. And then this happens. He's 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 gone through the ringer. You know, this is frankly worse than the time he went ten rounds with uh, freight train Matthews. Did, did he ever tell Nancy about that one? That's a that's a good story. But we never got to hear it. Wouldn't you love to hear more about Freight Train Matthews? I want to know all about him. I want to know if he was one of the boxers who shows up later in this in this uh, TV episode. I wonder if that psychotic girl and her pet gorilla ever ran into Freight Train Matthews. That's a story I'd love to see. <laughs> Old Freight Train Matthews. The freighter. <laughs> He went 10 rounds with him, but I'm assuming he lost because he doesn't say I beat Freight Train Matthews. He said, I went 10 rounds with him. I, I lasted that long. And, and The Rock says, you know, I'm tired. And why should I worry about trying to save this minister's guy's life? Because what's this minister ever done for me? Well, he's not even from the city. It's a great point. I mean, if you go based on his last name, he's, he's Irish. So maybe he's... Uh... Maybe he's not a huge fan of uh, what the British are doing. This is uh, 1978, I will note. So, so you think the rocks with the IRA? I'm just maybe he, maybe he's not that sympathetic to this this ambassador. The rocks are very savvy. He's woke. He knows all about the troubles. He knows all about them. He's uh, he's making a choice here, but you know Nancy's a narc, so she's gotta you know save this guy. <sighs> And here's where Nancy pieces together what the fuck the code was. Anyways, also, Rocky is going to go with Nancy because he wants to make sure she doesn't get killed. And Nancy puts together, based on the TV snatch that she heard, you know, the the quick... (laughs) The TV snatch. Is that what you call a TV newswoman? No. (laughs) That is so sexist. You are so misogynist. Is that like a misogynistic term? Isn't snatch a slang word for vagina? Oh, no. (laughs) 
be mad. <laughs> so that, that TV snatch. I'm so sexist against female reporters. No, no, no. I mean, um, the 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 quick uh, glimpse of the TV <laughs> reveals that uh, this British prime, you know, ambassador or whatever is going to come unveil some shitty portrait of the queen. So Nancy figures that uh, the painting is the lady and uh, it's Thursday now and the time is 10. So it's not really that complicated of a code, is it? No. Pretty stupid. Um, and they, but where, but where is this illustrious event going to take place, Kevin? Westchester Museum of Modern Art. Now, it's fair to say you're from the Westchester area. I'm sure you probably spent a lot of time at the Westchester Museum of Modern Art. I lived there, baby. I was all over that place, snapping my fingers in applause and wearing a little beret with a cigarette. No, there is no Westchester Museum of Modern Art. I figured maybe they're talking about the Katona Museum. But the only reason I'm familiar with that is that we had to go there for like an AP art event once. But anyways, this is all in California, so it's a moot point. But I just, I love that they have some Westchester representation in here. I think our big thing is like, that's where the X-Men are supposed to be. So it's nice to see this bullshit play out here too. <laughs> oh, Westchester. And the rocks, like in order, order to do anything, we need an army. We don't have an army, do we? Do we, Nancy? Mm-hmm. She kind of rubs her chin and says, maybe we do. Maybe we do. Before we before we talk about the army, because I, I I mentioned the sort of I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I'm I'm pretty sure, Kevin, that this episode is positing that there is some sort of like deep IRA infiltration <laughs> in the NYPD and maybe even cab companies and maybe even the public transit systems, the MTA. With what about the bus old folks' homes? And the old folks' homes. That all these uh all these Fenians have in- infiltrated uh every walk of life in, in New York City and are plotting to kill the British ambassador when he comes to the United States. But that's why you love New York, isn't it? Yeah, I mean O'Reilly. O'Reilly's one of the bad guys. Egan O'Reilly. It's just it's very interesting. There, this is a. It's but you of, dig it. It's kind of an anti-Irish picture, though, because the IRA in this, I'm pretty sure, are the bad guys. But but you like the IRA, so you you're. If the IRA has infiltrated New York City to that extent, you're okay with it. Up That's why raw. you want to live here. Up the raw, baby. Yeah. But you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of a crazy. It's it. I just I just thought that was so funny. Like one of the first times I watched it, I'm like, wait a minute, what terrorist group is this supposed to be? Wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of Irish cops in New York City, so, you know, probably probably a little bit over-exaggerated to say that some of them would get together and plan the assassination of the British ambassador, but, you know, I don't know, the 70s were a crazy time. <laughs> <laughs> I just, this movie's so, I mean, it's not a movie, This it just feels like a movie because it goes on forever. This TV show is just so fucking nutty. We go back to the Westchester Museum of Modern Art. The bad guys have overpowered the guards, I guess. There weren't a lot of guards in the, in the beginning. What are you giggling about? I'm just thinking about the next scene. I could see this kind of shit going down in Westchester, by the way. And the big plan is to have some uh, beefy, out-of-shape, middle-aged... <laughs> some beefy, out-of-shape, middle-aged old guys just crouching around. 
the top of the building. That's their great assassination plan. I'll add that the building, the top of the building is covered in gravel. Like every time he moves, it's a crunch, 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 crunch. <laughs> and so the army is just all the boxers from the gym. And we see them for the first time in the distance, slowly approaching the museum. And then we cut away and we cut back to them. And they've like maybe, oh, about six inches closer. <laughs> and then we cut away again and we cut back. They're like maybe another six inches closer. It's, it takes forever for these <laughs> geriatric boxers to walk down this street. I'm not sure why we needed that long of a sequence to show that. We wanted to, you know, the Calvary's here. <laughs> also, like, there's no security for this event at all. There was like, a, there was like a security guard. They got him, and then like, I don't know, I don't know what they, why, why, why. <laughs> like, if they, if the fucking boxers hadn't showed up, who knows what. <laughs> So the boxers are, the Calvary's here. The boxers are coming in. They eventually arrive. <laughs> Wheezing and out of breath. And they all immediately, this is supposed to be a stealth operation. But of course, the rock shows up on the, the big staircase. And they all start cheering and grabbing him and hugging him and kissing him. And saying three cheers for the rock. So they totally blow any element of surprise. Because they're so excited to see their... Previously, you know, thought dead friend. But he says, I told you they couldn't kill a rock. So apparently there's been some debates in this gym about whether he could die. And he was always telling them that he's immortal. And that, uh, you know, so this has been discussed before, apparently. <laughs> they all thought something like this might happen one day. <laughs> Nancy says, I'm glad all of you guys could make it. And she gives a, a speech. And she says, you, you, uh, ethnic stereotype, you do this. Chico, <laughs> you do this. And then she says to the uh, African-American man of color, well. Uh, Who's named Leroy. Uh, Leroy, you know what to do, right? <laughs> and he, Leroy says, yeah, I know what to do. He knows what to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and then, then she's, yeah, oh, yeah. No, 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 You do the boxes. Yeah. You do it. Why? Because you're the lady. Gilmore says something that, for some reason, I found very chilling. The guys love fun. Don't know what that means. Well, speaking of the guys loving fun, before this mayhem begins, The Rock, this elderly man, says to Nancy, hey, maybe after this is over, if we survive, maybe we can go to the roller derby. And she said yes. What is a roller derby? And they, did they still have them in the seventies? Weren't they really big in the seventies? I don't even know. I don't even know what a roller derby is. I'm pretty sure they were big in the seventies. And isn't it just like you all skate in a circle? Is that a fun date? I mean, it wouldn't be for us because you'd be collapsing constantly. <laughs> so with the rock, you can't make it up a flight of steps without getting tired. The rock, uh, the rock is, uh, I believe. Just wants to ask Nancy to be he, the, the surrogate for him and Gilmore. <laughs> it's not romantic. Um, but let's talk about the really the scariest scene in this whole episode. Okay. Once you're done researching your roller derby. Uh, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let the roller derby 
bullshit go and i'll return oh yeah you you talk about this why do i have to talk about it i i think it's like you know on svu there's specially trained detectives to handle the most sensitive crimes mm -hmm. i think you have that training you can discuss the most sensitive scenes so the most scary scene in the episode the boxers are storming the art museum strange sentence and they are grabbing the terrorists as they go and as the boxers grab each of the terrorists they grab their walkie-talkies and what they proceed to do is the stuff of nightmares each boxer takes the walkie-talkie and sings into it sings a song we hear a southern guy sing a song about cotton eye joe we hear chico the spanish man uh sing a song in spanish and and this you know so on and so on they're all singing their ethnic stereotype songs and it's it's horrifying why do they do this i don't know <laughs> i don't know kevin but i was scared can you imagine if you were just like walking around the museum that day because you like wanted to write there, like where you're sketching something, and you see the shit going down? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I'd be more scared of the boxers singing than the fucking terrorists with their shotguns. But that's just me. You're right. That's just the way you roll. Mm -hmm. You're kind of a crazy cat. So then we get to the rooftop. The climax is here. Rocky takes a stand. He sees Burke. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Who are these people? He sees Egan waiting to blast away the British ambassador with a shotgun. So he runs at Egan, grabs the shotgun, kind of punches him. And instead of taking the shotgun after he incapacitates Egan, he proceeds to... And I want to make it clear... One shot, he's wrestling with Egan, punches him. And then the next shot, like, he's just jumping up and down with his hands straight in the ear. Like, I did it. I did it. And then, <laughs> I want to be very clear, the can then he stops. The camera zooms in on him, and he looks worried. And then you see Burke running at him. <laughs> Burke pushes him off the building. Nancy screams, and Gilmore tells her not to look. He doesn't even look himself. And it's not like, by the way, this is not like it's a skyscraper. So it's not like if you look, you're going to see a, a bloody, mangled mess. If you look, you probably see a guy maybe with like a broken leg. <laughs> a guy who probably needs some medical attention. <laughs> a yeah. guy who's probably having some discomfort. It's, it's, and Gilmore's <laughs> saying, no, you don't want to see that. Let's just forget about the rock. Let's turn the page. He's a failure. We're going to forget him now. He fell off the roof. But I just want to zoom in on his face before he gets tackled <laughs> and thrown off the roof is like, it's like, like the most confused look I've ever seen on a person's face ever. Like, it's like he <laughs> forgot why he was there and doesn't understand what's happening to him. Oh, man. And by the way, he didn't fall to the ground. He, he fell. died. No, he fell on, on, on some spikes. He fell on a scaffold and he's fine. He's fine. I mean, how can a rock die? How can it? How can a rock die, Kevin? Can you answer that? 
Well, you, you can machine gun him into the back of the head. And that's what happens in this next scene. <laughs> no, a rock can't die. Rock, you're too much. He's too much. I, I think I don't think a rock can die. I think this this episode this was the central mystery. Really, we think it's about okay, this thriller who's going to kill the ambassador, but can a rock die? It's the question the boxers asked themselves even before this episode began. And what we've learned today is the rock is immortal. That's why he's still boxing. He probably started boxing when my ancestor started boxing, which was like the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. But he's just kept going. He's stayed at forty five for all these years. He keeps trying to make it happen. So he's like a wandering Jew sort of figure. <laughs> what? That <laughs> <laughs> he was present at some boxing match back in Roman times and he made some snippy comment. Because of that, he's cursed to roam the earth until he wins a boxing match. Yeah. And he unfortunately made that comment at the age of 45. So it's not looking <laughs> too good for him, for the old rock. We love the rock. Do we? Yes. What do you mean, do we? What do you mean, do we? He's kind of perving on Nancy. You, you can't act like... We, we have the same age gap, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> what are you roasting him for? Okay. You can't shit talk him for that. What's your other objection to The Rock? Okay, I love The Rock. You love The Rock. Admit it. Admit it. So... That next we go to. Well, Rock says this is the first time I've ever been knocked out. Even though, of course, he'd earlier talked about being knocked out by a gang of men when he was nude. <laughs> I forget. Maybe we'll like look back at it and it, it, he said he got dressed. But like all I remember is him explicitly pointing out that he was chloroformed after a shower. <laughs> Seems like so, an odd detail to point out. So this is the first time he's been knocked out while he was wearing clothes. And to be clear, when Nancy and him are in prison together, or you know, like helping help cap, they're not in prison together. But like, Jesus. I meant imprisoned, like not in prison. You know what I mean? When they're when they're both being held captive, he's wearing clothes. So, <laughs> what don't you think? The first thing. The kidnappers would do when they got him. For God's sakes, Rock, put some clothes on. Well, no, if you were trying to really psychologically torture somebody, you wouldn't give them clothes. See, that's why I would but get... But you'd be, like, psychologically torturing yourself. <laughs> See, that's... that. I'm willing to go the extra level to psychologically torture people. That's why I would have gotten this information out of him immediately. Even if... So you'd keep the Rock naked. <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> I, think, I think you already did. He said if you'd kidnap the rock, you'd keep him naked. <laughs> that's your big plan. I'm just saying you were acting like... <laughs> no, that's not... <laughs> I'm not... I'm not saying that I want to keep him naked. You just said you did. No, I'm just... He said that'd be the, the smart thing to do. Said, oh, Kevin, I'm so clever. I'll keep rocking Nick. Kevin. <laughs> Just for me. Kevin. I didn't say it as a sexual thing. 
I said, if you wanted to psychologically <laughs> torture someone, you were acting like it was so obvious that the bad guys would dress him. Like they'd have like a bunch of clothes in his thighs waiting for him. Well, of course, <laughs> Rob, we don't want to inconvenience you. Well, how, let's go all sh- let's go shopping at Forever 21 together to get you the best outfit for your abduction. If the whole point is that they kidnapped him naked, you would think they would keep him naked. That's all I'm saying. You're saying... <laughs> In your fanfic version of this episode, you'd be the kidnapper. The Rock would be naked. That's not what I'm saying. So you said, Kevin, I know just how I'd get the information from The Rock. Pray tell, Miss Kane. How would you get the information from a naked Rock? Well, I just, it would be one more psychological torture to add to the bag. But also, I would have just gone and been like, hey, that was my grandpa. Can you tell me what he said? I, would, I wouldn't fuck around. You'd say that to him when you were in the shower with him? I wasn't in the <laughs> shower with him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Kevin. Okay. Do you think... Who do you think... <laughs> I'm going to change the fucking topic. <laughs> so embarrassed. I was just trying to say that, you know, they weren't very good. I don't think they were very good interrogators. That's all I'm saying. Do you do you think that I'm the rock and you're Nancy or I'm Nancy and you're the rock? Who's who in our relationship? What do you think? Oh, come on. Be be interesting. Answer the goddamn question. I think you're the rock. Okay. I accept and that. And I'm Nancy. What do you say? What do you think? Well, Describe to me why you think that. You're a tough old bird. (laughs) (laughs) So you think I'm a geriatric boxer inside? I don't think you're wrong. I think you're right. Yeah. You're more street smart than me. You've got the Rocky smarts. I think if we were in this kind of situation together, I would be much more like the Rock of like, I'm not going to tell people shit. I'm also going to be, like, asking you to the roller derby because my mind is so easily distracted that would pop into my head and I would just say it at an inappropriate time. (laughs) And I do refer to myself in the third person at times. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, a lot. (laughs) Too much. So what do you think? I think you're right. I think I'm, I'm mostly the rock and you're mostly Nancy. I think your rock moments come from kind of, like, him leaning on the bus and being like, hey, he's going away. What if, like, that seemed like a Kevin moment to me, you know? I could see myself wearing a a weird sperm whale necklace and you being appalled about it but not saying anything. That's my Nancy moment. Also, I could see me describing, like, some crazy shit to the cops and them being like, what are you talking about, you nut? (laughs) It's relatable. Well, so now we cut to the ceremony where this painting is being unveiled. Uh, the person unveils it. It's really ugly, and he just bounces. He immediately says, Here, here's the painting. So long, everybody, and he just walks right out. It's the queen. He, what do you He expect? came all the way from England for this. You know he's about to get demoted, right? Like, you know, this is what they send you to do so, like, your, your, your undersecretary can, like, seize power while you're gone or some bullshit. And then Rocky creepily, he claps too long, and then he just kind of stares at the painting a little too long. Yeah, I don't really get what that was supposed to signify, but I'm going to assume it's just because he's rightfully unimpressed with the Queen of England, because everybody should be. 
down with, hot take. Down with the royal family. Fuck them. Bunch of fucking assholes. <laughs> Rocky almost got killed for this bullshit. For for some bad crown fan art. I mean, come on. Wouldn't you be pissed off? You can't kill a rock. He don't, he, he didn't almost get killed. That's fair. That's fair. But Nancy almost got killed. Oh, that's fine. Oh, come on. <laughs> Fucking that that's the real queen. Disrespectful. We stand Nancy Drew in this household. <laughs> this is Pamela Sue Martin's last <laughs> last episode. Well, no, 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 you don't, you're jumping ahead. Her last scene is she tells Rocky, you know, we can't go to this garden together because the minister whose life we saved wants to take us uh, out to dinner. And Rocky says, well, that that minister can just come to the roller derby with us. And Nancy agrees and laughs. And that's the last we see of this incarnation of Nancy Drew. Pamela Sue Martin's last episode as Nancy Drew. And your last moment is to acquiesce to go on a date with The Rock. At a roller derby. With the third wheel British prime prime ambassador, whatever the fuck he is. I don't know. It's it's a it's a sad send off. The sad state of affairs. It's a sad state of affairs. They had a couple more Nancy ish episodes, I think, or at least Nancy was included in some of the Hardy Boys episodes, but those are bad. That's all I'll say. We'll we'll review those another time. We we're gonna watch two tonight, but I think Time got away from us. <laughs> God damn it. We've we been talking for an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. Oh my God. Ah! What have we done? This is psychotic. This is as psychotic as the fucking episode. <laughs> the episode was only 45 minutes. Oh, Jesus. We're just mentally ill. We need to go to Bellevue. Damn it. And probably like a half hour of that, we were just talking about Rocky out of the shower. <laughs> <laughs> should we should we wrap this up? Do you have any closing thoughts? I, I think you, you've written out some uh, closing words. So my take is that the lady on Thursday at 10 deserves 0 out of 10 stars for its senseless, bizarre plot and lack of understanding about what should go into a Nancy Drew story. Although its blatant assassination of all logic offers a kind of trippy what-the-fuck fun for weirdos like us. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore to underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O. Thanks Thanks so so much much for listening. listening.